Uh, today we are concluding our series, Cow Tipping, and uh, uh, that's going to be the last week I'll be wearing jeans and boots, and you'll notice that today, one of the, the, the cow that we're looking to tip over today, the sacred cow, is God wants me to be happy. Now, here's what I have to say. I think there's a pretty clear evidence that that is not God's main goal and aim for our lives after watching the football game last night. So if you are a Carolina fan, then you're like, well, obviously God does not want me to be happy. Now, if you're a Clemson fan, I'm here to knock over your sacred cow today. So anyway, so that's just sort of, I just wanted to get you all ready for that. Uh, we are going to be looking today in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1. And so if you have your Bible and you would like to turn there, that is the passage of Scripture that we're going to focus on today. But we are going to be talking about uh, the sacred cow that needs to be tipped over, and that is there are a lot of people who believe that God's chief aim in our lives is for us simply to be happy. Now, there's a show on Animal Planet that is called Finding Bigfoot. Um, I don't know, how many of y'all have ever watched that show? Any of y'all ever seen that show or heard of that show before? Okay, this is better. There's a few of y'all that have. The first service, almost like everybody raised their hands, which really made me a little bit nervous, thinking that there's a lot of people watching that show. But I must admit that I'm one of the people that actually will watch that show. I, I find it rather fascinating. I don't know why, uh, but I'll watch the show. The goal in the show is that there's some researchers that believe that Bigfoot is out there. And so they, they travel all over the country. If, you, if you've seen the show, you know they'll take these little mallets and they will thunk them on a tree. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're trying to get some responses from Bigfoot who's out there. Now the show is, it's interesting, the show's been on since 2011. And uh, Bigfoot still has not been found. I know that's going to shock a lot of y'all. Uh, but some of the researchers on the show, they've actually said they've had encounters with him. They just don't have any evidence of it. But the show has been on for a pretty good while. And so, I, you know, I will watch it every once in a while. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if they found him. You know, like as if that's not going to be in the news or something. But, but I'm, I'm kind of coming away with this feeling about that show. Is that there are a lot of people who are wasting their time seeking after something that just really isn't there. Seeking after something that is mythical and not truthful. Now that doesn't just happen with people searching after Bigfoot or looking for UFOs or anything like that. Uh, that also includes people in the spiritual realm. Because I really believe there are many of us as, as people who are followers after God that get caught up in a trap of seeking after things or holding on to things that we believe to be true when in fact they actually aren't even a part of Scripture. And one of those sacred cows that many of us hang on to is this, that God's chief aim for all of us, for all of His people, is that we would be people that will find happiness in whatever we do. Now, I'm not saying that God is against us being happy. I'm not saying that. God, But God has a different definition of happiness than we do. Uh, the way I typically see that phrase being used as a pastor is I will see people who will come and they will talk to me or I'll hear stories of people saying, well, I am, I am uh, leaving my spouse or I'm leaving my family to be with this other man or this other woman because God wants me to be happy. 
And so I see a lot of times we use that phrase a lot in order to justify doing whatever we want to do. So does God want us to be happy? Is that his chief aim? Guys, God's chief aim for for us is not that we will seek happiness, but his chief aim for you and for me is that we will seek him. And as we seek him, what we discover in life is fullness and wholeness. Now, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to tip over a sacred cow that a lot of us hang over to, hang on to, and that is that God wants me to be happy regardless. And what we're going to see in our text today is King David sharing with his son Solomon what God wanted for him. And the same thing that God wanted for Solomon is the same thing that God wants for you. And so that's why we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1 in a few moments. But I just want to give you a little bit of background to what's happening in our text. Whenever David is having this conversation with his son Solomon, David is, is getting older. Uh, he's, uh, he's actually about to die. And so before he dies, he wants to give instruction to his son about the future. Instruction to his son about what he ought to be seeking after, what he, what he ought to be striving for. And it's interesting that David did not tell his son, say, David, you're getting ready to have more wealth than you've ever known. So whatever you do, make sure that you get even more of it. He didn't give advice to Solomon and tell him, Solomon, you're getting ready to be the most powerful man in this kingdom. Work your hardest to make sure that you have more and more people bow down to you. That's not what he told his son. Well, what did he tell him? Well, he spent his last words telling his son what God wanted for him and essentially what God wants for all people. So so what does God want for us? Well, I want to share with you just a few things. And first of all, as I look into our text, here's what I see that God wants for us. First of all, God wants you and me to be strong and courageous doesn't talk about happiness. It says that God wants you and me to be strong and courageous. And in verse number 1, it says, As the time approached for David to die, he instructed his son Solomon, As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm going to die. He says, But be strong and brave. Now, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but whenever I see that whole idea of being strong and brave, that goes against my idea of happiness for me. Because if uh, I have to be strong and brave, that means that I'm going to be facing some obstacles in my life. You know, you only have to be strong and brave when there's obstacles. Now, if I'm going to be happy, here's what happiness means to me. It means no obstacles. You know, I'm the guy, I, I believe in this. There's got to be an easier way. Sort of like the motto I want to live by. And so anytime I see an obstacle, my first thought is this. This is not a part of God's plan for me. Because God wants me to go through life without any discomfort, without anything that's getting me off of my game. Now that that attitude is tremendously selfish. It's tremendously self-centered. You know, I believe that I need to learn over and over again, and probably you, and I believe our nation needs to learn this. It's a lesson that, that my parents taught me, and I'm sure yours did as well. Whenever I ran into obstacles, it was typical for me to gripe about them. And then my dad would always come in with his incredible wisdom and tell me, son, let me tell you something, life ain't fair. Y'all heard that one before? 
life's not fair. It's absolutely true. I don't know if you've heard this statement before, but if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, y'all know this one? We'd all have a Merry Christmas? Come on, Jody. Don't know that one. I, I've heard that, heard that my whole life, so obviously I grew up somewhere that's very redneck or something. But anyway, I always heard that. Now, now here's the deal. There are going to be times in life, in other words, when things do not go your way. And whenever things don't go your way, that is when it will be time for you and for me to follow what God wants for us, and that is to stand and be strong and brave. Because if you are going to follow the instruction of God, and you're going to live according to God's word, there's going to be a whole lot of people and a whole lot of of circumstances that will not be approving of you living according to God's word. The Christian faith and culture are constantly at battle with one another. And David knew this. And he instructed his son, you followed the instruction of God. But if you're going to do that, he said, you have to understand that will require strength from you to stand firm in what God says. Now, you could say, well, what's wrong with Solomon looking for the easier way? Because that's my first thought. You know, what's, what's wrong with Solomon saying, you know, I'm just going to choose to go what's most beneficial for me. I'm going to choose to go with my heart. And that sounds so good. I've heard people say that all the time. When you're making a, a decision, just go with your heart. That sounds good until you look into the Bible. You know what the Bible has to say about your heart and mine? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? To go against your heart, what you feel, and instead to choose to go with what God's Word says, that takes strength. That takes bravery. That's why David told his son, he said, I want you to stand firm. Stand firm in what? Stand firm in God's instruction. You know, David talked about the importance of God's instruction in Psalm 119, 105, when he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is a light in darkness. It's like if you're in darkness, God's, God's light is a flashlight that you have. And as you're in darkness, that flashlight is invaluable because it enables you to see. It enables you to see the truth, to see where you ought to be able to walk. But here's the problem. If you begin to move away from light, you get into darkness. And whenever you get into darkness, you can't see well, you make bad decisions, and I promise you, you won't find happiness. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the book Smear Christianity, The Chronicles of Narnia, he said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. It, it takes courage for us to put aside our wants and desires and to put them underneath God's instruction and God's wants and desires. To be strong and brave means we are willing to say, God, not my way, but your way. I will go with your way over my way every time. There's an interesting study that was done by a university where they, they did this test with uh, elementary age students all the way to high school. And the, the, the teacher would go into a classroom and on a chalkboard he'd, th- he'd draw three lines of varying length 
and he would ask the class, he would tell the class, that when I point to the longest line, I want you all to raise your hand. Now, what was not known is that nine of the students had been instructed out of the ten that when you point, when he pointed to the second longest line, they were all to raise their hands. And so they were all sitting there, and the, the one student who wasn't in on it came in, and the professor or the teacher pointed to the longest line, and he's getting ready to raise his hand, but he looks around, and nobody else is raising their hand. So he just kind of keeps his hand down. And then whenever the, the teacher pointed to the second longest line, nine students immediately raised their hand, and that tenth student looked around and would just slowly slip up his hand. They did this test over and over again. Seventy-five percent of students, that tenth student, would raise their hands when the teacher pointed to the second longest line. What was the conclusion? The conclusion was this. That student would rather go along with the crowd, be popular, instead of being right. Now, God desires for us to be strong and brave and courageous so that we will be right. And so that when the end of days come, we are standing on the right side instead of the wrong side. You can be popular and be absolutely miserable. And when you come to the end of your life, if you're wrong on God, there is a price to pay. So so what does God want from his people? Well, he wants you to be strong and courageous. What else does he want from us? Well, he wants you to be obedient. It doesn't talk about happiness. God says, I want you to be obedient. Now look in verse number 3. David told his son, he said, Keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. Now I'm sure a lot of you are are like me in that we we know a lot of people who, who do a whole lot of talking. You know, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. My mo- I love my mother's phrase, and I've said this to you all before. She says there's a lot of big talkers out there, but they're just little walkers. <laughs> you know? So they, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Now, in, in politics, what we see going on, I think that's why there's a lot of people frustrated. We see uh, officials run for office. They say one thing, they get elected, and then they do another thing. And I'm just going to, I've mentioned this before because you can tell this kind of stuff gets me fired up. And so I'm sitting there and I, I find myself being more and more like my grandparents when I see this happening. I'm like yelling at the television. Like, get that guy out of, there needs to be a mass retirement. And I, and I start saying this. If that was me, I would never do anything like that. Because I got more guts than that. Do you all feel the same way? I mean, I just sit there and I think, man, how in the world could they do stuff like that? But then there's something very sobering that happens to me. I do that with God. I can talk the talk concerning my relationship with God, but then whenever you begin to examine, or I begin to examine my actions in what I do and in what I say, I begin to realize more and more that I'm just like everybody else. Now, words are great, but let me tell you something. Actions give proof. David did not want his son paying lip service to God. He said, I want action from you. He said, I want obedience to the instruction of God. It's why he told his son Solomon, he said, keep your obligation to the Lord. That word keep, it means I want you to guard it. I want you to watch over your obligations. Now, what were the obligations that Solomon was supposed to keep? Well, it's found in verse number 3. 
He said, keep his statutes, God's commands, his ordinances, and his decrees. Simply put, be obedient to God's instruction. Now you might say, what's the big deal about obedience? You know, why does that really matter? Guys, let me tell you something. Here's the big deal about obedience. Obedience to God, it is everything. It is everything. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. When you are obedient to God, it gives evidence that you are following God. It gives evidence that you love God. Listen to what 1 John 2, 3, and 5 says. It says, this is how we are sure that we've come to know him. How? By keeping his commands. The one who says, I've come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, the Bible says he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. Now, a big question a lot of people have is, well, how do I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do? Well, how does God communicate with his people mainly? Through this book. So you say, how can I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do? Well, you need to spend time in this book so that you'll know what God has to say. You say, well, what should I do? Well, you know, here's a help for me. As I, every year, I do the, there's the one-year Bible. I don't know if y'all have heard of that before. You can actually pull it up online. It has an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a psalm, and a proverb for every day. So that by the time you get to the end of the year, you have read completely through Scripture. That's why we encourage people in our, to be in our B group ministries. Because in our B group ministries, we come together and we examine and we talk about God's Word and how it applies to our lives. Now, if you want to know how God desires you to live, then you want to pay attention to the book. Now, I'm not saying you're going to understand everything in it, but there, you're going to understand a lot of it. Uh, the, New York, the New York Times ran a story about a guy who uh, just, uh, just put over 3 million miles on his 1966 Volvo. Uh, since that story was released, he's put, out another, he's put on another 275,000 miles on the car. Now, they asked this, how in the world... Could you take your car and and put over 3 million miles on it? That's over 126 trips around the earth. He said, how did you do it? He goes, it's not not as hard as you think. He said, you know, with every car, there is an owner's manual. He said, I just do something different than most people do. He said, most people with their owner's manual, they put it in their glove box and they never look at it. He said, what I do, he says, I pull it out and I read it and I do what it says. He says, when it says change the oil, because that's what I do. He says, it's actually very simple. Okay, then, I thought about that, and I thought, well, how does that apply to us? Well, what's, what's the secret behind living a blessed life? What's the secret of living like God wants us to live? Read the owner's manual. Don't, don't do what most of us do. Don't, don't take it and stick it in a glove box and never pay attention to it Again, do what the manufacturer instructs and you will go far. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 speaks of this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You know what God wants for you? Now, I look at that, it, does, it, doesn't speak of, it does not speak of happiness. When I look in our text, it says God wants you to be strong and courageous. God wants you to be obedient. And then here's the last one. God wants you to be successful. Now, I like this one. God wants you to be successful. Look with me in verses 3 and 4. He told Solomon, said, Keep your obligation to the Lord your God. To walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you, in everything you do and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will carry out his promise that he made to me. If your sons are careful to walk faithfully before me with their whole mind and heart, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, I think this can come as a surprise to a lot of people when they hear that God desires for you to be successful. Because typically, I think, most of us think, if I truly follow after God, I'm going to miss out on all the fun stuff of life. If I follow after God, I'm not going to get to do what I want to do. I'm going to be miserable in life. But that's not in the Bible anywhere. The Bible says... That what God wants for you is to be obedient to Him. And as you're obedient to Him, He says you will find success. Look at the end of verse number 3. So that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. Does that sound good to y'all? Success in everything that you do and wherever you turn? I'm, I'm liking this. That's what God wants for you and for me. Now, how do we get that? It's obedience. Obedience to who? Obedience to God. Now, typically, when we think of success, we think of a lot of money. We think of a lot of power. That means success. It's not how God defines success. God defines success as you are obedient to me, and you will find success. Now, for, for Solomon, what did success mean? David said, seek him, follow his instructions, and God will bless your kingdom. God will give you an heir to reign over the kingdom of Israel. That's why Solomon, later on, he wrote many of the Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will make your paths straight. God rewards obedience. You walk this way, God says, I will bless you. It sounds like quid pro quo. I do this, then God says He'll do that. It's more than that. You know, let's say like you're driving down a road and you come to a fork in the road and there's one green sign that says, exit sign that says my way and the one over here says God's way. Now you look over at my way and you notice my way has really wide lanes. It does not have a speed limit. You get to drive as fast as you want. You think there's no police on that road either. So whenever you're driving home for Thanksgiving, there's no tickets. I mean, you're like, my way is looking good. Then you look over God's way. And you notice God's way has some narrow lanes. It has a speed limit sign. Which one do you want to travel on? And most of us are going to say, my way looks a lot funner than going over here to God's way. But here's the, the problem, the difference. My way's destination doesn't lead anywhere good. Matter of fact, it's just a road that runs out and it leads to destruction. Jesus talked about this road in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. He said, enter through the narrow gate, 
for the gate is wide and the road is broad, that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Now you might say, but if I don't drive down my way, I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't like that. If I don't get to drive down that road, if I don't drive down my way, I'm not going to be happy. It's too restrictive the other way. Let me tell you something. If you drive down my way over God's way, I promise you, you won't be happy. Because there's going to be a day when that road runs out. And it's your life. And you're going to end up in a place you never, ever want to be. Now, God's way, the lanes are narrower. I mean, there's a speed limit sign. But let me tell you something. It is a road that you drive down, and it leads you to a place we all want to be. Life eternal with God. God doesn't want us to live in this life and be miserable. That's not his goal. Matter of fact, that's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, as, as you walk after God, God begins to work in your life, and he works things in his favor, which means your favor. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now, in general, when people use the sacred cow, God wants me to be happy, they, they leave off another part of that sentence, which is, so I can do whatever I want. That's, that's not what God is, is, wants you to strive for in your life. That's not what God is looking for in your life. God wants you to be happy as you follow him. That other phrase, God wants me to be happy so I can do whatever I want, that is a sacred cow that needs to be busted down. Let me tell you what God wants for your life and for my life. He wants us to be strong and courageous. He wants us to be obedient to his instruction, and he wants us to be successful. So how does all that stuff happen? It all happens as we give ourselves up to him. As we make a decision and we tell God, Lord, I will die to me. I will die to my wants, and I'll follow you. Now, that sounds scary. Let me tell you something. God's ways are higher than your ways. The question is, are you ready to do that? Now, here's how I'd like for us to end the service. I'd like for us just simply to close our eyes and bow our heads. and So you can just simply deal with this question with the Lord. Am I going to live for me? Am I going to take my way? Or am I going to take God's way? And maybe some of you today, you say, you know what, I am ready to make that choice, that decision, to travel God's way. And if that's you, just where you're seated, you can talk to the Lord yourself. You just simply pray to Him and tell Him and just simply tell the Lord, say, Lord, today, I no longer want to live for me. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I, I am dying to me and I'm asking you to come into my life to give me a new heart to redeem me 
I believe that you have lived. I believe that you died on a cross. Jesus, I believe you rose from the grave. And so I'm calling on you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to raise me into a new life with you. And I will live for you, Jesus.